<laughs> Why does your Reaper look like Pro Tools today? Somebody get a little I skin don't know. happening? Yeah, not me, I Dan. guess. Dan. Probably Dan. Dan misses his Pro Tools. I'm Matthew Martinson. I'm Gordon McGlattery. This is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Welcome to it. What, what? We're back. Uh, got anything to announce? I finished Wander Song. Yay! Last what Friday. Is it, over 100 songs? It's over 100 songs. It's crazy. Yeah. There's a crazy amount of music. It is the longest soundtrack I know of. Indie yeah. or indie sound. It's the longest single composer soundtrack I can track down. Yep. Um, which I didn't think was true, actually. I thought I thought Undertale had more. I thought Night in the Woods had more. And those are the newer ones. I thought the Neverhood had more as well. Yeah. That game from the 90s? It's that claymation adventure game, or kind of click and point puzzle adventure game. Yeah. Point and click, sorry. Uh, Which is a great game. The soundtrack is awesome. Yeah. And uh, it's 77 tracks. Wow. So, not that I was going for quantity here. This was just what was requested. What happened? (laughs) No, this is what was requested for the job. Yeah, yeah. It's just what happened because what I signed up for. Game needed that. The the game needed over 100 songs. So, we wrote over 100 songs. So, I have delivered my last file, as far as I know. There might be a couple, like, brush up things that have to be done. Yeah. And now I have to prepare the albums. (laughs) So, it was kind of, it was kind of. My fists were in the air for about five minutes, and now it's <laughs> kind of back uh, back uh, to work, because now I have to arrange right. 100 dynamic songs into album format. Into something you can put on a soundtrack. Yeah, and then master them. Yeah. So I have many, many weeks of work still ahead of me on that game. Crazy. I just started, like, backing them up. Yeah. Because uh, I was doing my file allocation with Ableton in, in a kind of dumb way, Uh and I've been doing it forever, uh-huh. and it has bit me in the ass a couple times to the point where I have to re- rework how I do all my file allocation, and I will say what I've been doing wrong for Ableton <laughs> users out there. Yep. So Ableton Live has uh, live sets and live projects, and the sets live inside the projects. And you can do multiple sets within that project, and those could be multiple songs, but mm-hmm. they'll all be pulling from the same samples folder within the project folder. Mm-hmm. And if you're not real diligent with naming your tracks before you, you use them and naming them specifically for the set, then they'll just, they, it's possible that they can get mixed up if you ever move things around within the greater folder hierarchy of your computer and things like that. Right. Or if you move the sets around. Yeah. They'll... They'll reach into the folder, and you can't just point them to the folder and be like, go find your files, because they'll be like, oh, there's like 30 track one underscore 01s in here. Which one do I use? <laughs> yeah. And it will completely screw you. Yeah. Like, you, there's, there's, I, it's happened to me for songs before, and I'm just like, well, I guess I'm just stuck with the master. Don't have stems, don't have anything. It's yeah. All, it's all maybe in there somewhere, or else it's just completely lost. I don't know where things have gone. Yeah. So, so basically, from now on, I'm because I'm never. I have to accept that I'm never going to be the person that, that is naming my tracks before that I use them, because a lot of the time I don't know what the track's going to be until I put stuff on it, mm-hmm. and then I have to rename the file, and I just I don't have time for that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Every single song has to be its own discrete project from now on. Right. So right now what I'm going through is I have to go through every single live set, which is which are inside a bunch of different live projects in Wandersong. Um, actually, might all be in one live project. So <laughs> if I ever moved my folder, like, it, like yeah, the yeah. whole thing could be screwed. Yeah. So now I'm going through every single live set and saving them all externally on a, another drive as just like individual, specific, songs. individual projects yeah with all their their individual sample folders and that's going to take me days yeah because it's not it's not one one session per song it's like multiple sessions for a lot of them because you know we've done revisions and some yeah. of them are split up into different dynamic parts one of the last songs was just so goddamn huge it was split into four sessions because I was using so many different instruments on it. Yeah. Um, again, not planned, just kind of by design of the game. That's what it required was something very large. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 
it's gonna be a whole thing. Yeah, I'm excited about it. We did the we did our we did a crowdsource choir mm-hmm. for that huge song. Yep, um, that worked out beautifully. Awesome! Can't wait for people to hear that. Um, and that we got so many tracks in for from the crowdsourcing the choir that that had to be its own session as well. Right. <laughs> almost 200 tracks of vocals. Yeah, Crazy. It's cool. That's awesome. For 26 seconds. <laughs> 26 <laughs> second loop. Yeah. 200 tracks of vocals crammed into it. Sweet. So, that, yeah, really excited about that. And the game's fantastic and hope it does well. Hope people hear it. Yep, yep. What's up with you? Nothing. No no announcements? No. Nothing. Same old, same old. Yep. Plugging away at games. Mm-hmm. Got some stuff percolating, but nothing to announce yet. Yeah. We uh, both had to miss last month. Because we both have crazy ass personal crap going on. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I will get into mine at a later date. Yes, but not this month. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's a, I think the take the takeaway that you can take away from us mm-hmm. about this, I think, is while this podcast is incredibly important to us and to putting it out all the time and regularly and like everybody who listens to it, it's great that everybody listens to it. It's awesome. But at the end of the day, like our personal lives and stuff is going to come first. And that's important to do when it comes to any of this like extracurricular stuff you do. Like, don't forget, but, you know, you and your family and your friends and like all that real life stuff that's not game audio is important. And it's important to look after yourself and your people and your pets and everything, like all of that, like... You know, look out for yourself. Yeah. And, and for your relationships, I know that I've got, I've been sucked into the, I can use work as an excuse yeah. for anything when yep. like, I, I, it's a sign of workaholism mm-hmm. if you are putting work as priority over everything else. Yeah. And especially now that I've, I'm an employer, I cannot expect other people to do that. Yeah. And I'm trying not to do that on my own as well. Yep. It's not always easy. It's <laughs> certainly not. Yeah. So one of the things we wanted to talk about this month, this episode, whatever we're calling these anymore, mm-hmm. um, motivation. Motivation. So I'm not sure if we talked about motivation before, but kind of like, how do you stay motivated? How do you keep motivated when there's a whole bunch of stuff that's sapping that? Like, it almost sounds like we've done this topic before when it first came to my head, but yeah. we haven't. We we do uh, staying creative a lot, mm-hmm. which is different. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because staying, you can you can have to stay motivated for very uncreative like tasks. Yeah, like resaving out all your live projects. Yep, that's that's not fun and creative. Like so, no. but you got to stay motivated to keep doing it and to plow through it. So, and speaking of which. So that's actually one of my techniques yep. to stay motivated for the creative stuff mm-hmm. is to not be doing it all the time. Right. Um, I think that's super important. And that's as as a team, we're trying to hand out more of these seemingly boring tasks to mm-hmm. people just so that they're not burning out on doing the same thing every day. Right. And I try to do that with myself. Well, it's kind of necessary for me because I just have all these other tasks that need to get done. I do need to do the bookkeeping. I do need to write a lot of emails. Yeah. Do a lot of spreadsheeting. <laughs> um, but then I realized I, I am the one that has this luxury. So luxury to do these boring things. But what they right. do do is mix it up yeah. from a motivational standpoint. So where I have been when when we're taking on new projects. So uh, the big the other big thing that we're having it's not like an announcement that anyone can go buy something that I've done <laughs> or anything. But we we have recently got ourselves a little office downtown Ooh. that we haven't moved into yet. We're yep. we're just officially renters as of August first, which I, maybe is when this podcast comes out. Yep, uh, and. There was a lot of organizational stuff that had to be done in preparation for that. Mm-hmm. We had to like research. We had to get desks. We had to get we want panels made like you have in the studio here. Yeah. Except I want to get artwork on them. Yeah. Custom artwork. Cool. That will commission an artist and that will have our things from projects we've worked on on the mm-hmm. panels. So they'll be kind of art. They'll serve as art on the wall. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of research to be done, and yeah. we also we we so and then we got an NAS finally, so we can hopefully start backing up correctly someday <laughs> yep. to to a RAID system. Uh, and 
so I just Rachel had mentioned she likes researching things. So yep. I'm I'm like Rachel, do you want to just go find the best place or just find a bunch of places that do these pan do panels like this? Mm-hmm. Um, go research RAID systems, and Maris hopped on the RAID system because they have a knowledge of how that stuff works. Yeah, and so they got to collaborate on those. And it means they weren't just doing sound all the time. Yeah. Or in Maris's case, doing audio programming all the time. They get to duck out, but still be extremely useful. And we'll make it, them motivated to go back and do the work that they were doing before. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't necessarily think I have a lot to add to that because that's just a good. That mixing it up, I think, is a really good thing, and you can like sort of divvy out like, well, w- which way do you work better? Do you, you know, do you want to mm-hmm. do your creative stuff first, or do you want to do your boring stuff first? Like, is the creative stuff a treat to do at the end of having done your boring stuff? Yeah. But that like mixing it up, I think mixing it up is really good for um, lots of stuff. It's it's why like I've liked being here at Clay for as long as I have. Is all of our projects are different. It's not. Yeah. It's not. Oh, I'm doing the same. You know, racing game year in, year out. I'm just not doing the same shooter game year in, year out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I'm, I'm not doing puzzle games year in, year out, whatever. It's like, it's always different. So every time, it's a little bit longer term than, you know, motivationally for like a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, every year I'm doing different games and different things will come up because of those. So it, it keeps it fresh. And Clay as a studio, and I want, I'm hoping to do the same thing, even though we are still kind of single medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clay is open to you taking on other crafts and yep. learning other skills and being valuable in other ways than the specific thing that you might have been hired for. Yep. And that's really important for us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that keeps things more interesting as a company, too. Yeah. Um, so M has cut a few trailers for us, the visuals, you know? Yeah, sweet. So, so we do video editing as well <laughs> if someone yep. wants to. Yeah. And wants to learn and put in the time to figure out how to do it. Yeah. So, and that, so this ties into another discussion topic that we'll touch on. Yeah. I think that we're going to filter into. Yeah. Off of the motivation subject. From, yeah, Luca's, I was poking people for like, what do you want us to talk about? Mm -hmm. Uh, And Luca um, suggested, uh, what did you imagine yourself doing later in life? How do your careers evolve according to work-life balance, years getting older, like just general life differences? And what are you doing to put those sort of like plans in action? Mm-hmm. Like how are you, how are either of us moving towards a different future for our careers and everything? And I mean, I know that what I would have put into my work when I was 30 mm-hmm. is certainly different than what I'm willing to put in now that I'm 43. Right. You know, that's just like I've gotten older and like different things matter. And it's just like I'm older. <laughs> and, like I don't I don't have the energy of the 20 something. Yeah. me. You know. Yeah. So e- even if I wanted to, I couldn't do crazy crunch. Yeah. I just die. Right. So, you know, like, right. I got to put more value on rest and relaxation and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. And somebody else asked, this is, I think, an interesting adds into this question. Um, somebody asked, what do you think about specialization in our field? Like, mm-hmm. can you can you be the fantasy game person? Can you be the sci-fi game person? Like, not just being, like, creative or, or technical or whatever, but, like, distilling down to, like, I do this one area, like, amazingly well. Yeah. But can you have a career of being the, like... The fantasy sound effects person? Um, I mean, I couldn't. <laughs> but I, th- I think it's a personality thing. Yeah. There are people that, you know, and it, you can be a specialist of that type mm-hmm. in the AAA world. Um, yeah. But I don't think freelancing, you're going to stay afloat unless games continue to get bigger and that's the, until they're the only medium around. <laughs> but uh, I know... I know that in the past in film, there have been people that are known for cutting car chases. Right. Yeah. Um, or uh, be, d- specifically doing creature sounds, stuff like that. Like if you get yourself a Pacarana and you know how to run it, mm-hmm. you are actually a pretty rare talent. There aren't a lot of people like you yep. out there. But I don't know anybody that is a specialist in one thing, really. Yeah. You know? I think I think if you 
work at certain studios for a length of time, which is becoming rarer and rarer. Yeah. Um, you become a specialist. You've done fantasy RPGs for, you know, six years. Right. That's your thing now. Like, it would probably be, I imagine, pretty hard to step out and be like, right, I'm going to do a car racing game now after I've been doing dragons for six years. You know, it's going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Not an insurmountable one, but working for certain studios funnels you into probably being a specialist in certain areas. Should people set out to do, to aim to be specialists? I don't know. I, th- I think if you if you have a clear vision of what you want to do, then yeah. I... I think it's a dangerous road to go down. Yeah. Because because of motivation and burnout and like all the things we you know we've talked about before and stuff. Mm-hmm. For me, I did, you know, Need for Speed PSP games for like 3 years. And I, my motivation to keep doing racing games was gone. Right? I, like I didn't did not want to do that anymore. Right. You know, so like for me personally, I see the way to lead to like fast burnout is just do the same thing year after year after year. Right. You know, and I think mixing it up is better for your longevity of of staying doing this and staying motivated for longer periods of time where you're mixing it up, like you're saying. Yeah. You mix up your tasks. It's the same with the games you're working on. If you can mix up the games you're going to work on, I think it's, you stay creative for longer right. that way. Then. Well, how do I make my, you know, 57th sword hit? I mean, I know people that can stay interested Mm -hmm. in that stuff. And I think it's an enviable ability. And I think if you like doing the same thing forever, then like, hell yeah, ACDC it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's, it's going to vary person by person by person. For me, Mm -hmm. I can't do that. I couldn't specialize down to one thing that hard and be like, I'm the sci-fi gun person. Right. You know, I just get bored out of my mind. But somebody else might be like, no, I eat, sleep, and breathe sci-fi guns. I want to do guns forever. Yeah. And yeah. you could be really happy to do that. I think specializing that way does limit you to a certain extent, but it's not that you couldn't, you know, bounce around those studios that do those games. I mean, they're going to be doing sci-fi guns forever. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to be doing sci-fi guns until sci-fi guns are just normal guns. <laughs> But then there'll be something else that is sci-fi guns. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thinking about that motivation and long-term, like how how our careers have, have changed and are changing, mm-hmm. what are you consciously thinking about where you want to go? Are you doing anything about that? Well, it definitely ties directly into the switching it up. Mm-hmm. And being comfortable and being cognizant of what other skills hold value yep. that are not sound design. Um, it would maybe someday we'll knock the audio off of the company name. <laughs> yep. um, it's crossed my mind to just knock audio off so we can be a shell in the pit and just we can do whatever. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. And we can just go with the flow of what people's interests and skills are mm-hmm. and just continue trying to drum up business. Now that I have the skill of, of drumming up business, Yeah. I sh- maybe I'm able to apply that to areas that are not just audio. Mm-hmm. One thing I think is important to note is that our ears do get, you know, worse Yeah. with age. But I don't think we lose the most important stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll lose clarity on the high end. You know, and this is before retirement age. Yeah. Whatever that's going to (laughs) be. But we're still able to, for a long time, understand, like, what the bulk of a sound is a good sound. Yeah. And the stuff that's going to be... So I just think this is a worry that a lot of audio people have is that, uh, oh, God, I'm going to turn 45 and I'm not going to be able to do my job anymore. Right. And I just don't think that's the case. I've got two years left. Yeah. You're not losing the important stuff. Yeah, you're losing the high end hiss, mm-hmm. and if if that is the, is the most important part of your sound design and how you tell stories, <laughs> then <ooh. laughs> have you been that's, making making games for bugs? That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think too as as we go, like for better or worse, like maybe this is me getting better at what I do, or mm-hmm. maybe this is me getting old and losing my hearing but becomes more reliance on the tools to tell me stuff that's going on. Like, yeah. you know, I use meters and spectrographs more to see what is going on mm-hmm. in a sound. So rely more on those 
in some of those situations. Yeah, and that's that's something I've noticed just from watching films is sometimes I can pick out the general age of who the re, 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 the dialogue mixer might have been because there'll be some tones yeah, yeah. remaining that the dialogue mix, mix is totally otherwise fine, but there are some tones that would have been notched out yeah. with, it, with a younger ear. Right. And that is completely fixable with a simple meter. Yeah. By just checking some meters from time to time and being like, oh, okay, there's a huge spike there that yeah. I can't hear. What the Let's heck is that, that up there? Let's get that out of there. Yeah. Um, but it's not a job killer. No. That's not that's not crushing a career of any kind. While while games arguably doesn't have anybody old working in it. Yeah. Uh, there is certainly lots of older people in film. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still doing sound. There is people mixing music. Arguably, the best mixers in the world are older. They've been doing it a long time. Yeah. Like, there's definitely a lot of examples of people doing sound work mm-hmm. well into their later years. Yeah. So we can do that too if we don't all burn out and leave the industry. And so, yeah, and I'm I'm just been getting interested in other things as well. Like mm-hmm. a large part of my job now is running the business. Is not I'm not cutting sound almost yeah. ever. Yeah. Right. So so that's already kind of I've already sort of made steps in that direction. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm at a bit of a not quite crossroads, but figuring out just sort of what it is that I really want to be doing mm-hmm. like i i recognize the the value of becoming a more technical sound designer mm-hmm. like i think that is a very valuable skill set to have and i think that if if you enjoy that you will probably have longer legs in the industry being able to take on technical stuff but part of me doesn't want to do that and wants to just be better at creative sound design mm-hmm. and i'm sort of like those are two paths to go down you can you can do both at the same time but like i want to i've always wanted to grow myself as a creative sound designer right you know so i'm a bit of like what do i do which like which way do i go to this how do i advance one or both of those there's lots of courses out there to to learn some programming learn some scripting learn deeper use of the middleware tools there's a little less concrete stuff to learn the creative things it feels like there's more of just like you go back to school and I'm like, hell no, <laughs> not doing that. <laughs> I mean, going back to school is something I, I wouldn't mind going back to school as a, as a, a few years from now for something. Sure. Something. But, uh, okay. I guess I feel that I have never seen, uh, schooling at the moment that would teach me as a sound designer, right. advanced techniques from where I'm at. Right. That's, I guess, the, like, yeah, yeah, if yeah, somebody yeah. was like, here, we've got this, like, crazy, super, you know, deep professional sound design course, I'd be like, okay, that's that's cool. But, like, you know, I see all the kind of regular ones. I'm like, well, I, I that's what I do every day. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of uh, figuring out where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do. Right. And I, I have, do have interest in, like, I started making some twine games and stuff. Like, I do have some, some legitimate interest in that side, not just this was good for my career. And I mean, right. I think that's an important thing to, like, identify what do you want to do. To me, the motivation of I'm doing this for my career, that peters out. That is know? a very short-lived motivation, for sure. Versus this is something I just want to do and learn. Right, like, oh, and it happens to be good for my career at the same time. That's great. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, I think that's a deeper motivation. You know, when it comes to the technical side of stuff, I've been trying to find the things that I have more of a motivation to do than just, well, it'd be good for my job. And find ways like lead to learning those things in a way that I find motivational. Doing some scripting inside FMOD to do FMOD stuff. I'm like, okay, that's. I get more of a concrete thing out of that. So that's cool. I don't really want to make a game in Unity. That doesn't mm-hmm. really, like, I don't know. What would be your advice for someone that, you know, maybe it's too late and they have burned out? And they're, and just game audio just, like, is a n- no thanks. I, that's I mean, that's tough. I think I've gotten pretty close to that at times, but I've, I have bullheadedly stuck with it, mm-hmm. for better or worse. I think maybe taking a break is good. I don't think it's bad at all. So I got into game audio by taking a break from doing recording. Right. Recording music. 
I was like, I'm tired of this hustle. I just want to like job for a while. Right. And ended up in QA, ended up in game audio after that. And I was all like recording music is the only thing I want to do. This is it. Right. You know, that was my career for life. And I took a break from that and found something I found even more rewarding and have done ever since. So in that case, taking a break was really great. So maybe it's And if taking a break results in quitting, quote unquote. Yeah. But to a better life, then it's not really... That's good. It's, it's a, a very good thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Whether it's that you get rejuvenated for what for coming back to game audio or mm-hmm. if it's for you're like, "No, I found this other thing I want to do." Like either case is like that's what you hope for. Is you hope that taking a break leads to what you really want to do, you know, and if it's the motivation to come back to game audio, the motivation to go do something else, whatever that is, like that's that's the best. Yeah. Best you can hope out of that situation i think so and there's nothing wrong with getting sick of something and not wanting to do it anymore um and i uh, and i don't think there's necessarily value in convincing yourself to do something that's making you miserable no because it was your original dream or your original plan either yeah it's it's that 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 um what's it called uh sunk cost fallacy that like something is worth something because you've invested time in it energy yeah right you know it's something we need to think about with our games with our sound design with our game design art whatever like all the stuff about what we do yeah, we lives have, relationships yeah it extends yeah. past that yeah, and we need to think, think about all of those things and yeah no matter how long you've spent at the game audio thing mm-hmm. if you're done with it then it's great to move on to what the next thing yeah and, and focus on transferable skills yeah i think there it's a very skilled crew doing this job that's good at a lot of stuff Mm-hmm. And you just have to pull what you can out of it and just, and it, a lot of it can be almost directly applied to other things. Yeah. If you've had any modicum of success at this job, you probably have good organizational skills. Yep. A higher level of technical skills than the average person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, an attention to detail. Yeah. You probably have a bunch of producery production sort of like planning skills. Yeah. Big time. You know, big you may picture. Have budgetary skills. Yeah. You know, that's all useful in a whole lot of stuff. Probably okay at spreadsheeting. <laughs> probably. Probably okay at it. As an audio person, you're probably a little deeper of a spreadsheeter than most people. Yeah. Is my guess. And you probably have a little bit of a passion for something else that you like to record a lot. Yep. Your case, cars. Yep. My case, now cars. But <laughs> it wasn't always cars. Yeah. Oh, I have a car story. Oh, sweet. This one's, it's not a good story. Tangent. <laughs> okay. So Danny Baranowski was in town this weekend. Uh-huh. And we we're hanging out because I wanted to drive someone around in the sun in the Pulsar with the top down. Yes. Uh, his head sticks out like three inches <laughs> out of the top of the Pulsar. <laughs> Hilarious. It, he makes it look like a micro machine. Uh-huh. And uh, we we're parking, parallel parking, squeezing it between uh, some truck and, and the, a Jeep behind us. And Danny's like, man, you got to be really good at pee parking in this town, huh? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no doubt. And then crunch. Oh! Winch. Oh, no. Winch on the Jeep. Just uh, like right through the middle of my taillight. Oh. Uh, my left taillight on uh, the Pulsar. Tragic. And I, I'm i signed up for a car show August 27th, Matt. <laughs> Gotta get that fixed quick. Yeah. I So I, I immediately, like, I don't even know if I was out of the car yet. I was me- messaging my friend Matt Ryan, who's a sound designer at, uh, at Phoenix Labs on Dauntless. Mm-hmm. And uh, who is... Car guy. Car guy, too. Yeah. He got me into the classic car meetups and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, within within like two minutes, had a link to an eBay. Oh, for your light. For for my light. Had <laughs> yeah. the pinstripe and everything. Perfect. Nice. And just ordered it on the spot, got in touch with the seller. I was like, can we hurry this up? <laughs> can I throw you some extra money to get this here faster? Yeah. Got to get to my car show. So it's supposed to arrive August 20th. Yep. Got a week to get it installed and then the car polished. Yeah. So here's the hoping. Well, good luck. So this is what I've this is what Lights I've done to myself. Lights are easy. That's an easy thing to to pop in. Yeah. Well, it's it's a body piece. So I don't know. Yeah. Because it's it, like it's the diagonal stripes wrapped mm-hmm. all the way around. Yeah. I'm sure it's easy for someone that knows what they're doing. I don't have those transferable <laughs> skills yet. Uh, we will see. Matt probably knows how. Yeah. I'll buy him stuff. That's, that seems like a case of beer situation. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. 
Except he's probably preparing his, his Volkswagen. Should we do an ad? Yeah, sure. So, Ta-da! you've got the stats. Ad time. I listened to a lot of the files so, in let's, depth. Which is good, but we should mention what this is. The name of the library. It's from Pro Sound Effects, and it is Cinematic Winds. Thank you again to Pro Sound Effects for advertising with us, providing us with libraries so that we can use them in our work and tell you what they're like. This is the best wind library I have. Um, so Cinematic Winds is the third of the Alan Splett and Ann Krober libraries that Pro Sound Effects has for sale. Mm-hmm. This is, let's do some stats. Uh, this is, it's a big one. Yeah, the long files, long files. Big Big, long... It's 98 different wind sound effects. Comes into 3.3 gigs. Mm-hmm. Over three hours. It's broken up into categories such as moody winds, interior winds. my favorite. Moody can, winds? Can we stop on moody winds for yeah, a second? Yeah, just, just moody winds. It is so great. Yep. It's not... It's the, They're the most unrealistic sounding winds. Right. And it's just... It's, they're so good for period anything. Right. Because they all sound like an 80s horror movie. Ah. And it's fantastic. Yeah. It's like so bang on for a certain like period stuff. Sweet. So there's moody, interior, nature, wild, and storm. Yeah. There's the different wind types. Nature is also fantastic. A lot of the, I find a lot of wind libraries, they seem to skimp on the leaves. Mm-hmm. The leaves are the pine needles, um, trees and grass and stuff. Like yeah. the actual happening in the wind. Um, it's also got a pretty good pine needles ones. It's got sand. Nice. Um, and I think just like, oh, and just like a, a nice clean mountain, snowy yeah. one as well. But the sand one is really good. Cool. So, I like I like that it has interior stuff too, like interior yeah, winds. Yeah, it's yeah. not something I've got much of in any of my other libraries. Of well, stuff, and it's so. got some lower key ones as well. I've got yeah. gale force winds from Hiss and the Roar, which is fantastic, but they're all gale force. Right. So it's like, it's all crazy ass winds. Yeah. And light winds are something that are, yeah, just they're hard to come by in library format, mm-hmm. and this library provides a lot of them. Um, I think this these things are actually really good for storytelling. Yeah, well, that's less than like there's a storm. It's more like you can sort of like like you're saying the moody stuff. You can get into like yeah, like they some of them don't sound like winds. They yeah. sound like cool creative drones mm-hmm. that have a bit of a patina on them. Uh, that really like says this is the time and a place, and you as a viewer have something from media you've seen in the past that this is going to remind you of and it's going to take you exactly there it it gets environmental storytelling done like in, in an awful hurry and that's what i like about specifically the sand files and the leaves files and stuff too yeah that they're really good for setting a scene i actually had bought this library before they provided it to oh. us <laughs> so they were like you know here's here's libraries with run that runs mads of these and i was like awesome i'm like i already have that one i right. know it's good i bought it yeah <laughs> So, yeah, very happy with this library. can very much endorse it. Mm-hmm. Stamp of rule. Yeah. Cinematic wins. And as for the last two episodes, they've provided us the code BEARDS. Right. Which uh, only works on the other two libraries that we've mentioned. Oh, okay. Doesn't work on this one particularly, um, but the other two libraries from this sort of series. Check the show notes. We'll ha- I'll, I'll put the code there. We'll share which libraries it works with. Um but yeah, so thanks for sound effects. Thank you a ton. Back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> We're okay. back. We're back. Uh, we have more questions. I got a pretty good one. So we're going to go to questions. I guess. What else do we have to talk about? If you yeah, want to quit pretty... sound design, get out of here. Go do. Go chase your dreams. Do it. Become if a lion you... tamer. If you want to keep doing sound design, stay here. Underwater welding. Keep There's doing it. A need for it. Let's get to some questions. What do you got? You said you got a good one. I got a good one from... I got a good one from uh, Josie Breckner. Yeah. Uh, my my mentee. We just finished up our audio mentorship project. Sweet. I guess that's a thing we could regularly plug. It's the audio, yeah. audio mentorship project. goes hand in hand with Bakaiga. <laughs> do, do it. Uh, Sign up. Signed up. If you're looking for a mentor or if you want to be a mentor. Uh, uh, if you If you're looking to be a mentee, sign up. It's great. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to be a mentor, sign up. They need more mentors. They always need more mentors. Oh, okay. I didn't um, know if there's a shortage or not. No. I, as far as I know, there's never been a shortage of people looking to mentor. If you're like in some sort of middle ground where you're like, oh, I don't, I don't think I can be a mentor to somebody, you probably can. Right. 
you know, and they will do a good job of matching you up somebody who would benefit from your knowledge. So sign up to be a mentor. Like, uh, you know, I've done it. You've done it. As a mentor, I've gotten tons out of it. Yeah, I'm getting tons out of it. And both of my mentees have gone on to, they're both pretty busy right now, I think. Mm -hmm. They both got, you know, careers on their hands. Yeah. Mine now works for you. Oh, right. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that, that worked out, too. It worked out great. Okay, so Josie's question. Um, outside of client approval, what's your thought process for figuring out when a sound or song is done, quote unquote, yeah. and game ready? Is this something that's just inherently intuition and experience-based, or do you ever use a more deliberate approach for deciding when something is finished? For music, now, thankfully, I don't do music for clients. Mm-hmm. So my th- thought process of what's done is really fast. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a lot different than, you know, than if I was dealing with a client. But in some ways, what speeds up my approval, my internal approval process is whatever limitations I've put on myself yeah. for it. So if I'm doing a song on my OP1, I got four tracks. When I filled up my four tracks, it's done. Right. Okay. You know, it, it, I find it's really helpful for that. Mm-hmm. Like, just let's move on to the next step. It was like, this is all you got. Right. You know, so so that can be good. Like, what limitations have you set yourself? When you reach them, you're done. Sound effects wise, which is, you know, for a project, it's, yeah, there's more gut checky instinct sort of stuff. And I've, I've learned, you know, as I go, the faster I can get something in game, the better I can really judge if it's working yeah. or not. So, you know, even if I'm like thinking it's 50% done, if I can get it into the game, mm-hmm. then that's great because then I can actually evaluate it better and yeah. get other people's feedback. I'm a crappy minimalist. So I think for me, it's when I, when adding stuff is no longer doing anything for it. Yeah. Then I'm, I'm, and, and I like it. Mm-hmm. If, if, if I'm adding stuff because I don't like it and I'm thinking adding stuff is going to fix it, yeah. then uh, it's not done. But if I like it and I'm just adding more and then I realize I'm just I'm just adding stuff mm-hmm. just to see what happens, then I know it's okay to move on. And that, that goes for music and sound design, I think, because I do the same thing with music. I use a million tracks and <laughs> a lot of them might not be, be necessary. <laughs> yeah. When I'm doing sound design, even I like working with limited track counts. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm making sound, I'll open up a session and I'll be like, all right, I'm putting in five tracks. I'm yeah. putting in eight tracks. So once I've filled up those tracks, then I start to be like, right, is it done? And start evaluating every layer potentially. Yeah. If, I, if I don't think it's done when I've put in eight things, eight layers, well, I start to evaluate what is each of these layers doing? Like where am I? Which ones can get out of there and be replaced yeah, with something better? That works. Yeah, yeah. So, so I find that limited track count helps me. Like, stay focused on, like, yeah, am I done? Am I done? Because I definitely think there's a point where you do play it back and you're like, yeah, okay, that's done. Mm-hmm. But if you're questioning, yeah, just, like, start reviewing what's in there. Maybe something's bad. And sometimes if I'm not sure, mm-hmm. I just send it off to the client. Then if they're happy, then I'm happy. Yeah. there That happens a lot where it'll be like, ah, I'm not sure about this thing. A lot of the time, it's either going to be the thing that makes it or the thing that breaks it. Yeah. So I just send those off, and it's nice to have someone else make that decision for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's, like, one specific thing that you're like, this is a bit weird. Yeah. And I can't decide if I like it or not. Yeah. Can you please make this decision for me? I would say my piece of advice in that sort of situation, which I'm all for, right? Mm-hmm. Just get it in the game. Don't say, there's a weird thing about this. Yeah, don't say anything. Just be like, hey, we got a sound in the game. Yeah. Check it out what you think. And if they're like, yeah, there's this weird thing, you're like, aha, we both think there's that weird thing. Yes. Okay. They might also be like, I love that weird thing. Yeah. Then like, oh my gosh, you have an iconic sound on your hand. Totally. Potentially. Because that's all iconic is, is a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit not what you're used to. Yeah. Andrew um, asked on Twitter, uh, what are some good best practices for composing in a DAW knowing it's going to have to end up in FMOD wise or whatever? How should I be pairing my files and what effects are better done in engine than in DAW? I realize that's probably day one stuff, but have never shipped a game. These are the things I'm most concerned about and have kept me from pursuing composition more intently, I guess. Um, I don't think there's any hard and fast rule. Some people yeah. like doing tons of stuff in the in the middleware and some people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, your restrictors are going to be how intense the game is, what kind of CPU it's already eating up. Yeah. Is it a 3D game that 
like is not you're not getting a large budget for for audio or is it a 2d thing where you can do almost whatever you want or how much is going on like is it a busy brawler or is it a is it a moody side scroller Mm -hmm. um where there's not a whole lot of sound happening yeah so that's that that will be a what are your contributor to how much many effects you can be stacking into your engine totally and what what uh what's your voice count for the game and mm-hmm. how much you know, the sound effects chewing up and is being left for the music. Yeah. Cause if you're like, you've got so much crazy stuff going on that the sound effects are taking up like most of your voice count, like, well, you're not going to do a big layered stemmed out interactive music system because you don't have the voice count to run that. Exactly. So in that case, well, you don't need to necessarily spit out crazy stems. You want to print more stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a game by game situation i think it's good practice to leave some room to do a reverb on your music in in engine Mm -hmm. Uh, a couple reasons for that it can help you if you're jumping around so say we're Mm -hmm. taking like the example that matt's laid out where we don't we can't you do a bunch of layers of intensity yeah therefore we might be needing to jump horizontally from intensity one loop to intensity three loop which is the same song but with different layers and it'll be ju- jumping from, you know, a minute f- five to a minute five, mm-hmm. but on a separate loop. Yeah. Your reverb can help you yeah, yeah. wash that out. Totally. And so that you have a consistent reverb from the low intensity loop to the high intensity loop. Mm-hmm. It, it can help your just loops sound better. Yeah. Um, your loops should be perfect anyways. But but there's stuff but like reverb but, carrying over, delays carrying over. It helps. That can... You you have to do some funky stuff sometimes yeah, to and, get those to work right. And middleware just kind of like slips up every once in a while and, yeah. and, and misses a sample or two, and you, you can get ticks. And having a little reverb to wash out those ticks yep. is helpful. I also like keeping um, transitional things like percussion, mm-hmm. like always having like having a kick and a kick and a crash or something. I like having those around, not in the track. Yeah. For the same reason, just to like mask transitions. Yeah. When you're doing implementation, when you've got those little snippets. You can hide so much of a mm-hmm. transition by just being like, right, I'm just throwing in this symbol at the same time yeah. this happens. I know we've been doing that stuff with reworking the Ninja music system. Right. To, to work in studio now, we're totally, you know, looking to make, just also make it better mm-hmm. than it was. And there were some transitions in the original ones that were like, eh, it works, but it's a little, eh, it's a little dodgy. Yeah. So like, yeah, we're throwing in symbols and stuff to hide out the stuff that we couldn't technically do that before. So now we can, and we're like, it's awesome. It sounds way better now. Yeah. As far as like EQing individual instruments or finding the right guitar distortion or something like that, that's all stuff I would, I personally would do. Yeah. In my DAW. But who knows? There might be an instance in a very particular game where you want control of how much distortion the guitar guitar has. Totally. You know? So I don't do I do very little I do very little effects on the music in the engine. Mm-hmm. Very little. Almost only reverb. Yeah. Unless something occurs to me while I'm implementing that, oh, it'd be cool to make everything freak out right now. Yeah. And I'm, a bunch of delays and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think for the most part, we don't plan on doing in-engine effects like that on music. We yeah. end up doing some because it's a quicker way to fix or get around a problem that we've found. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, oh, well, you know, we could go back and do all this stuff and or, you know, right now I can put this effect on it and it'll fix the problem in question. All right, Max. I'm sorry, I'm not pronouncing people's last names because I'm horrible at it. <laughs> Uh, Max Hunter said, do you have an approach for balancing frequencies between different parts of a mix, i.e. Foley, VO, gunshots, ambience? Are there specific frequencies you take out of um, and keep on others? Uh, For instance, I usually cut the low end on my ambiences, but I also like to carve out a little bit of the high mids on them so they don't start covering up other important sounds like VO. Sounds like you answered the question. <laughs> yeah, basically. It um, depends on what else is going on. So, yeah. And dialogue is king or queen. Di- <laughs> dialogue is at the top of the chain. Yeah. And everything needs to get out of the way for dialogue. That's not something I deal with in DA. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people do. Yeah. But I I just like to duck things appropriately in engine to get um, them out of the way. I like to think about it before anything even gets created, mm-hmm. actually. I've found it... It's probably more, more prudent. Yeah, like carving up your frequency space into what is going to go where. Yeah. You know, so if you've got dialogue, okay, that's dialogue's reserved there. So 
if I'm making any amateurs, if I can stay away from that whenever possible, like that's good, you know, and like, well, this is where this is going and this is where this is going. Um, I know uh, that me and Jamie talked when we were sort of both on the beginning of Oxygen Not Included, the beginning of where are we going to fit all the different things and we mm-hmm. like, all right, machines will go into this area and this will go into this area. It's sort of like carving up a plan for the frequency spectrum right off the top. Yeah. And just being like, right, so when you create this, you're just thinking about, like, I'm not even putting stuff there. Yeah, that's a good point. So I see nothing wrong with sort of mastering all of your stuff into certain areas so that it mixes better. But I would I would also print out everything without sort of that mastering EQ as well. Mm-hmm. So if you've, if you've done this, like, global EQ on all your ambiences where you've, you've cut the lows and you've scooped out the mids, like have the full frequency one available too, because maybe there's an instance where that's not going to work. Right. You know, I basically just cover your butt. You know, I think it's good. I think it's good. I mean, when I do mastering of VO, I always keep the original, like here's just edited and cleaned, no mastering pass. So I can always go back for some reason. Lord Thayer. Thoughts on completely musical sound effects. Nintendo often does it, but I don't see it in many other places. Is it a frowned upon practice? I mean, we've done tons of it in Wandersong. Yeah. It's only frowned upon if you're doing it irresponsibly, and that by that meaning you're not doing it alongside the music. A lot of folks don't do it just because it's complicated, because it means you have to be paying attention to what the music is doing at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it can absolutely be done with proper communication. Yeah. And a couple of other systems. Yeah. But if you want to do it the simple way, you will be restricting your composer. And so I was definitely res- like restricted a bit in Water Song. I couldn't do crazy key modulations or anything because we were, we were keeping trying to keep the entire axe locked to a key. Yeah. Um, so that M would only have to do the sound effects once. Right. That's the other problem. Is that if you're doing, if you aren't restricting your composer and they, you're just letting them compose whatever they want and they want to go from A minor to F major, mm-hmm. then all the sound effects have to also change. Yeah. And this either means that you have to readjust them in the middleware to pitch correctly or else you actually have to create all those assets so that they fit yeah. and then programmatically switch to the next set of assets. Yeah. Totally possible. It's just mm-hmm. a lot more work. Which is why I, you don't see much of it. Yeah. I think the, the systems in which you need to put into place aren't terribly complex and are, are quite easy to do, but it requires a lot of communication between yeah. a lot of people probably to, to get it to work. And you have to have buy-in from a bunch of people that might not necessarily have that level of buy-in normally for audio. Mm-hmm. And and you've got to get those people on board to to help you get those systems in place. So I think I think it's a lot of work, and yeah. that's probably why we... Basically, I'm agreeing with you. There's a lot of work. That's why I think yeah. you don't see it that often. Not yeah. that, like, people frown upon it or anything. No, it's like, not frowned upon. It's just, yeah. uh, it's just laborious. Um, Emily asks, How much time do y'all usually spend focusing on optimization, and do you have any tips? Not as much as I used to. Yep. But I have spent a lot on it in the past. My personal optimization is a whole lot of macros. <laughs> yeah. Uh, getting an MMORPG mouse. I've never actually played one in my life. For <laughs> like getting a, a very hardcore gaming mouse with a lot of buttons on it, and then I can map, <laughs> I can map macros and shortcuts to the mouse, so that I never have to use the basically entire right hand side of my keyboard when I'm in Ableton or Reaper. Yeah, um, that's at a pretty mm-hmm. microcosmic level. Yep, I think there are large, larger workflow habits that are probably good to upkeep. I'm trying to think of what if some of them are. Yeah, one of one of the big ones for me, mm-hmm. and this can I'm sure be applied at a personal level. So I have kind of a priority list for how I am trying to think all the time mm-hmm. at the company, and that that is um, a are my employees' needs tended to. That's like that's most important because if they're unhappy, then everything sucks. Yep. Uh, and that's things like: is everybody paid? Does anyone need to go to the dentist? Uh, is everyone okay and not stressed out? Um, then after that, it's: does everyone have something to do? And so, and this and this can apply to solo contractors as well because you might be subcontracting. Mm-hmm. You might require some things from other 
people on the dev team. Um, so if there's anything that could potentially be leading to a bottleneck or there's potential that someone is sitting around doing something not that important that may, may in the future apply to what you're going to need, then make sure that that's taken care of. Then, then, it, then it's actual tasks. It's until like step three that I get to start to starting to actually do things. Yeah. That's when my content creation happens. And then after that, if you ever finish your content creation, then it's, I guess, time to look for more work or <laughs> take a break. That's really interesting because I had a totally different take on the question than you did. Ah, nice. Okay. So I was like, I wasn't thinking about that at all. Thinking about technical. I was thinking about technical game engine optimization. Probably what the question was. Okay. Because <laughs> that's something that uh, we can optimize. Yeah. Like, like that is an area that maybe we don't think about as much, but like, yeah, we can optimize all of that as well. Yeah. I guess this is how my mind has yeah. shifted since I've been doing more running a company than designing sounds as well. Yeah. Uh, so on a technical front, I don't optimize the game side stuff until a programmer yells at me. Yeah. I'm pretty much the same. We don't I, have to do a lot of it in indie. Yeah. Right? So, so. Uh, so I'm, I'm thankfully, I, you know, yeah. Because of the games we do, we're not, you know, pushing giant 3D graphical powerhouses. So, so there's more left over for audio. Yeah. Um, so I can do more. So, I, you know, I'll, I'll leave compression cranked up as long as I can. I'll just keep pushing sounds in until somebody's like, hey, <laughs> you're taking up a lot of memory. Yeah. They're like, okay. Fine. <laughs> I'll go look at that now. Yeah. Um, so I wait until somebody yells at yeah. me. <laughs> so I know we had to do a bunch in Night in the Woods during like the dream sequences. They they were getting really heavy. So we just had to tone down some of the effects and yeah, compile yeah. a few sounds together. And I guess it's it's when I am using like heavy in middleware effects and stuff, I always have in the back of my head, how would I turn this off? Yeah. You know, like what's my fallback if they're like, hey man, you put in that event and your tank the frame rate yeah like, okay turn all that junk off right figure out how to bake that into the assets or whatever and like so so i do have it in the back of my head about stuff like that i don't know if it's been fixed yet but fmod the uh ir reverb mm -hmm. you can every instance that we had running of it for fossil echo like and this was near ship date i was I was I left the reverbs to last, <laughs> and I set up all these beautiful IR reverbs, and every single one of them is running all the time. You can't turn them on or oh, off. Jeez. So just having one instantiated. Yeah. By the by the end, I was using up like it was like four hundred megs, was just <laughs> reverbs. Jesus. Yeah. And had to had to pull them all out <laughs> and just do them with the regular reverb. Uh, um. All right. Yeah. Uh, Steve asks. What are some things you guys do to foolproof your workflows if and when you're not firing all cylinders, tired, sick, overworked, etc., assuming you can't sit out, rest up, and get back to 100% whatever reason? Um, this is something I actually wanted to get on um, because if you find yourself in this situation, then you've done something wrong. Um, but it happens. I mean, it has happened to me a lot. I, I don't really have techniques for working tired and sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to do it and it'll suck and your work probably won't be that good either. Yeah. But something that I'm making a practice for new contracts yep. um, is to make it known that we're a non-crunch studio. Yep. And especially in this, I, and I realize that this ties in especially if you're quoting flat rates. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing like a monthly flat rate and that's your flat rate for a certain number of months to do the game, yep. I make it clear that by... Giving us less time to do the game does not mean you're going to get good sound for cheaper. Um, you're just going to get worse sound, and we're going to ask for our name to be pulled from the project. Right. So you will get sound for cheaper, but it's not going to be good. Yeah. So work with us on planning a responsible timeline. So I've I've certainly been in positions in the last year or so of, of being sick, of having real heavy personal stuff going on that's taken an emotional toll. And the only thing that's gotten me through those and gotten my work through those is that I work for a studio that supports me. Mm -hmm. um, so if I was, if I didn't have that, my work would have been garbage just straight up. Yeah. There's nothing I could have, 
There's nothing I could have done to make my work good in those situations. It was time needed to be taken off. Things happened. So my kind of advice is how do you foolproof yourself? You get yourself a support network. Yeah. You know, and if it's if you don't work for a studio that can support you and if you're a freelancer and you're it, you find other freelancers that you can, you know, lean on when when need be. You mm-hmm. know, you create a little, you know, bundle of support network for yourself. Like that that would be my plan. Just go find some people that you're if you're, you know, like you're like, I'm crawling to the bathroom for a week. I'm dying here. Mm-hmm. Please can Gord, can you do this work for me? You know, I need to subcontract you for this week. Like Yeah, totally. You know, having some sort of support network is is sometimes really necessary. And that's to me the only way I see out of some of those situations. Otherwise, you're just killing yourself and putting out crappy work, either physically, emotionally, whatever. There's just times that the only real answer is to not be working. If you've got people to lean on, that means that, like, right, the work keeps going out from somebody, so the client is happy. Yeah, and if your clients are, you know, heartless monsters, then... Fire them. Uh, I remember um, in the last little while, Mark Strait was talking about, unfortunately, his dog died. Mm -hmm. And... One of his clients was like, we need work from you. And he was like, I'm taking a week off of this. And they were like, no. And he's like, you're fired. Yeah. And I was like, good on you. Nobody needs to work for those people. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Gilly? Jilly? I'm, I'm bad with names. Hopped on Andrew's uh, DAW music question. Mm-hmm. And it said, riffing on that, I found myself on projects working with composers who don't know anything about game audio. So they give me and the programmer stereo tracks that don't really change with player interaction. What's the best way to educate? And also explain it in such a way that it is easier for the developer to also wrap their head around and get them on board. I like doing a little game audio 101 with my developers in our first meeting. Yep. A lot of developers, they'll come in asking for just music. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say, okay, but do you have anything in mind for sound effects? And a lot of the time, they hadn't thought about that yet. Yeah. Which often is a bigger part of a contract for us. Yeah. Sound effects are more work. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time in, mm-hmm. in many games. Not all games. Um, I Off the cuff, I don't have a good like laid out answer for this. But I have the feeling if I was freelancing... I would probably answer this question so often that I would just prepare a boilerplate like here is my, you know, three paragraph page on what interactive music is like. Mm -hmm. And just like write some stuff up. You know, you're going to repeat this stuff over and over again. Yeah. So just write some stuff up. So when your developer is just like, "Uh, what's interactive music and be like, awesome, I've created a brochure for you. Yeah. And Here's your I, pamphlet. <laughs> and I, I, I do always also ask, sometimes a developer will say, we already have a composer, Yep. but we've only done simple things before. And I'll ask, does the composer, do they know how to use middleware? Do they know how to write dynamic music? Mm-hmm. If the answer is no, I will follow up with, do you think they're interested? Yeah. And they want to learn or they just, you know somebody making beats or writing music in their basement yeah. and this is just a way for them to get more exposure for their songs mm-hmm. and they are not interested in being a game composer. Yeah. If I get a feel for it, it's someone that's not interested in learning mm-hmm. middleware or really doing game audio, then I'll probably recommend a different composer. Yeah. Um, not myself necessarily, but I'll be yeah. like, here's a few people I can recommend that are doing the style that you like, who yeah. I know, know how to do this, who I've worked with in the past. Mm-hmm. So check them out. Because I think your game really needs dynamic music. Yeah. Some games don't need that dynamic music. So if it's just background music for a simple game that doesn't have peaks and valleys of drama, I can just take the song that they delivered, the stereo non-dynamic song, and cut it into a loop. I think with the composer thing, to me, it's more of a maybe you need to have a sit down if you're in the same place or a Skype call or whatever and show them what you can do. Show them an interactive project you've done already Go. This is what I want to do with with your music. This is why I would like stems from you of the different parts of music. Like just, yeah. you know, show them the system and what it does, and hopefully that gets them on board. And hopefully that's something they're interested in. Some yeah. composers don't want you touching their music as well, which, right? So, which, as far as I'm concerned, I have I have had more exposure with post lately. Oh yeah, from the stuff we're doing, and they want stems. Yeah. You know, like, 
even when there's a music mixer on it, they'd still want stems because you know it allows them more well, creativity. If the director wants less strings, there has to you need you a know. way to pull out the strings. So to me, if you are doing commercial music for another medium, film, TV, games, whatever it is, and you're hung up on you know my sound, my thing, I'm only going to give you a stereo. I you shouldn't be working in this industry. You shouldn't. You yeah. should go off and just make music to make music. That's that's part of what we need to make our thing, be it a game, be it a film, the best it can be. Yeah, you know, it's not here's my album that's happened to have some visuals to it. I was working so, with a band on a short film once, and they just delivered a bunch of songs. Yeah, and I so I got all these songs, and I went to the director. I was like, they didn't score the film. You said they were scoring the film, right? And he's like, oh, okay. So I. <laughs> We just have to do a music edit, I guess. Yeah. And I just gave it to them. I, g- I gave it to the <laughs> the director and producer and just said, you two edit something. Yeah. And then I'll give it to me and I'll edit so it's actually good. Yeah. And so that's what we did. But Nobody's looking to ruin anybody's song when they- No, no. Piece of music or whatever, putting it into their thing. Getting stems just- Yeah. And this wasn't the director's- to be better. This, was, this yeah. wasn't the band's fault. Nobody asked them for the right thing. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Travis said, what's the best part about working in games in 2018? What's the worst? It seems like it's tough out there right now. Uh, Best, I think the tools we have available to do our job are cheaper now than they ever have been. While still expensive to be an audio person, the tools out there are ridiculous compared to what I had to start out with Mm -hmm. when I got into music recording. So I think... What's available to us is like that. That's the great thing about doing audio. You can get really good stuff for a heck of a lot cheaper than it ever used to be. Yeah. Um, the worst is probably it's so competitive. Mm-hmm. It's pro- I think it's probably, and I have no facts to back anything up, but it seems more competitive now than it ever has been. The worst part about working in games is probably toxic fans. But <laughs> oh yeah, that's a the. That's not audio Fans of games is, is kind of a, a thing that can drive you out of doing this, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. And I have, I do not judge anyone badly from going, I'm leaving because of all of this garbage. Yeah. You know, the toxicity is, city is kind of ridiculous. I don't know if it's an all high, all time higher, they're just empowered, but toxicity is pretty nasty right now. And I don't know what to do about it other than don't feed them and. <laughs> And uh, try to be a better role model. Be be the person you want to see yeah. in this. Uh, Barack wanted us to talk about hiring and firing practices. Yeah. But Matt and I discussed it, and we don't think we're qualified, really. I've never... I've hired. Yeah. But I've never fired. I've, we're still having discussions on that within the team, but having no actual experience with it, I think I would be kind of talking out of my ass. But we would like to maybe get a guest on that could discuss it with us. Yeah. That has more experience with that kind of thing. I would definitely be interested um, in having somebody who knows what they're talking about come in and talk about that yeah. stuff. She mentioned unions as well, which I'm, I'm just like, I don't feel qualified to talk a- about that. I, I want to get somebody in who does know their stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because that's a big topic right now in games and is mm-hmm. is one worth talking about. And important. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to screw it up. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because it is the kind of thing, if we screwed it up, we'd get our asses handed to us. Rightfully so. so exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Jack wanted to know. Oh, this is so good. I, I when I when you came into the building, I saw this and I thought of this question that Jack asked. <laughs> Why do people wear sandals to work? It's hot. Gord's wearing flip flops. I. This is all I'm wearing all summer. <laughs> it is hot. And this is and uh, for real. Part of the reason I got into this specific industry is so that yep. I could. Wear whatever you wear, whatever I want. Yep. Down with You're the sandals. You're wearing a tie work. right now, Jack? <laughs> Sold out, man. Oh. <laughs> um, I think that was all the questions. Okay. We had. Uh, anything to close up shop? Uh, buy Wonder Song when it comes out, but it's not going to be for a while. Oh, um, check out Mattia Chilato's latest library. It's fantastic. Oh, the animal one. Yeah, yeah, it's excellent. Man, there's just there's a ridiculous amount of good libraries coming out. Yeah. I've, I've I um I was one of the people that kickstarted Andy Martin's um, Pacific Northwest. Oh yeah, yeah downloaded it and, and that's to it that started like 
He started getting stuff out for that. He's mm-hmm. gotten two packages so far. It's so good. Wow. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The libraries are that are available these days. Great. I'm 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 really oh, happy. There's the more libraries. One. Oh, is there a new elephant library? There was a Kickstarter. I can't remember the guy's name. Um, there was a Kickstarter for a, I'm going to go to Thailand and record elephants. Cool. Uh, that that he did it, packaged it up, sent it out. So good. Awesome. There's a, yeah. Elephants make the best sounds. Yeah. I'm really happy that we're starting to get these independent libraries because it's going to make, it's making things less repetitive in the media that I am consuming. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get sick of a lot of sounds. Yeah. They the, like the list just keeps getting longer. Yeah. And now that we're all talking to each other and, and buying our friends' libraries and stuff, a lot mm-hmm. of them which are higher quality than these old dated ones mm-hmm. that are we're hearing too much of, and they're cheaper and it's making media better. Yeah. So That's cool. I'm down with it. I am my post end of podcast now, I'm looking to throw my hat into the ring of sound libraries. So I've got some stuff in the works. That cool. Hopefully one of these days I'll be able to announce is out. Great. So stay tuned. Okay. So that's it for the podcast. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, as always. Thanks and for your patience. Sticking with us through our now irregularly scheduled podcast. But we're, as long as you keep listening, we're going to keep doing these. Yeah, so. I think we'll be back on the wagon next month. Yeah. Thanks, and see you next month. So long.